You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. But I think what is going to be so difficult about losing Nimmo if the Mets ever did is you're not just trying to find a center fielder, which isn't easy. There aren't a lot of great center fielders in baseball but you're also trying to replace him at the leadoff spot. I look at this Met team right now, if they did lose him, Starling Marte is not an ideal leadoff hitter for me. I like him. He's not an ideal leadoff hitter. Francisco Lindor is not an ideal leadoff hitter. They wouldn't have one. Their, their ideal leadoff hitter is Brandon Nimmo. And so I think that's a big, big, big part of his value. Did he, see to me, he changed a lot in 2022. My view on Nimmo today is different than it was a year ago because he went out and played 150 games. He improved himself defensively. Does your view on Nimmo feel different today than it was a year ago? Yeah, I'll say that. I think he had a good enough season this year uh, that as a reflection, I'd sit there. I, I would think that most teams, most fan bases out there would see that Brendan Nimmo is a, a hot commodity. I do disagree with you, though. There is a leadoff hitter on this team. His name is Jeff McNeil. I mean, he's the quintessential. I know he doesn't get on base as much without the swing of a bat, and that bothers some. But if you look at the, if you compare the two, when they lead off an inning, their on base is nearly the same. And I, I understand that it's different when you're leading right, off right. The, They're doing the it game, but yes. But but if Jeff McNeil's leading off an inning, he's getting on base just the same amount as Brendan Nemo is. So. That's that's my issue because I think I love everything about McNeil and there's just things about Nimmo that I that I'm still wanting more from. And if you we're gonna get into it, but like what Nimmo does is enough to get by. But I think the Mets need more than that, and that's a problem because there's no one really out there that offers right. more than that. Uh, a couple of things about McNeil. Um, look, you're right. When Jeff McNeil goes out and it's 3.30, right off the top, he's going to go on base a lot because you don't even have to walk that much to have a really high on base percentage, which is what he did. He had the highest on base percentage on the team. Wasn't walking a lot. He was doing it because he got a lot of base hits. Two reasons why I would prefer McNeil not in the leadoff spot. Obviously, you lose Brandon Nimmo. He's an option. I'm not ruling that out, but I Nimmo is more ideal. Number one, Contact. Let's talk about contact. I prefer guys who don't strike out. I think we all do. But when you're leading off a game and you're mostly leading off innings, to me, there's lesser priority on putting the bat on the ball because then there's no productive out. If you're leading off a game and you ground out the shortstop, what the hell's the difference between that and striking out? Right? Pretty basic stuff. If you're batting second or you're batting third or you're batting fourth and you're up with first and second, nobody out, you can have a productive out. If you're up with a runner on second and nobody out, you could have a productive out. Then the productive out matters more. If you're leading off, and I understand you're only guaranteed to lead off a game once or lead off an inning once. That's when you're leading off. 
there are chances that you're going to lead off multiple other times. But to me, it's less important to make contact when you're leading off an inning because the productive out doesn't exist. Uh, that's number one. That's just the basic base. That's just an art baseball argument I have. That's why Nimmo striking out a lot, which is true. Brandon Nimmo struck out 116 times. And I've always heard, well, I don't want that for my leadoff hitter. And I'm like, why? Like, why does that freaking matter? If he's leading off the game, and granted, that's one of three, one of four at-bats. Sure, could happen again. You go up nine, up nine, down. You're leading off again. Trust me. Uh, mattered more, happened more when the pitcher was batting ninth because he was likely to make an out, which made it more likely that the leadoff hitter was leading off an inning. But if you're up with nobody on base, a strikeout, a lineout, same crap. Doesn't matter. And and not for nothing, too, and one thing that you've mentioned, Brendan Nimmo doesn't just strike out on three straight pitches. Right. Strikes out after going like 10 or 11 pitches deep. So it's a little different, too. So I, you 100%. Gotta say that you, you, and, th- and that's the grittiness of Brendan Nimmo that, that you have to appreciate because he doesn't just go up there hacking away at just garbage and striking out three straight pitches. He's going out there right. and hacking away and found things off and watching pitches. And he's he's he's... Good. He, he's good. I can't think of the wing. And also on top of that, just to move a little bit as far as defensively speaking, uh, leadoff hitter wise, okay, fine. We, we'll just debate McNeil Nimmo. Center fielder wise, who's would replace him on the team? You have Stalin Marte, who could fill in that center fielder role for one. Yeah, yeah. I'm not saying that he's just center fielder of the future. No doubt. We'll get into that. There's internal options. There's outer, outernal, external options to replace him in center field. And spoiler alert, it ain't great. My only point is. Yeah, there are other guys that can lead off. Like, you're, could you lead off Jeff May? Of course you can. Guy's going to hit 330 again with a 390 on base percentage. Fine. But Nimmo's ideal. To me, he is the quintessential leadoff hitter in my eyes. He's got a little bit of pop. The strikeouts don't matter as much. He gets on base. He gives you long at-bats. And he's also a big candidate to give you an extra base hit. Like, if you looked at the Mets and said, who had the most doubles on the team this year? The answer is Jeff McNeil, not a surprise. The guy who's number two is Brandon Nimmo. When you look at the guy who had the most triples on this team, the answer is Brandon Nimmo. And so when you're leading off and you've got some of your better hitters coming up next, a double, a triple, a single, or really the double and triple, that's what I care about more so than the home run. Because if you got a big pop, a guy who can hit a bunch of home runs, I'd rather him come up with a bunch of guys on base. Either way, replacing him in the leadoff hole would be a challenge. As far as the money is concerned, and I want to make this clear whenever we do these podcasts about money, because I've said this on the air with Craig, I know I can't just say this over and over again because it's not true. And that is, there's no salary cap in baseball. There isn't. So the decision on when to stop spending is based on an owner saying, that's enough. This isn't the NBA. I do a podcast about the Nets. We're going to argue, well, you only have a certain amount of money, and this is how I would allot it. NFL, same thing. That's not the case in baseball. So I could naturally say to you, and I'm not because I know I can't, and it would just, there would be no discussion. Who cares what Nimmo makes? Pay him, pay everybody, and it doesn't matter. I know that's not happening, even with Steve Cohen. I know that we can't just say, give Brandon Nimmo $300 million Who gives a crap? It's not our money. So when we talk about money and contracts, we do have to put it in the proper context that the Mets are going to have a budget at some point. What that budget is, we don't know. Maybe it's 350 million. Maybe it's less than that. Maybe it's more than that. So 
I think all owners should just spend as much as they can. But I know that when we're talking about this, we can't treat it that way. So here are the comparables on contracts. George Springer, who is a better player or was a more accomplished player. I'm not talking about the future. I'm talking about when he got to free agency. George Springer was a more accomplished baseball player. Obviously, Met fans really wanted him. <laughs> he, was, he was a big part of the Mets need to sign this guy. But George Springer got to free agency after the 2020 season. And at that point, had you know just a more accomplished career. He was coming off a year, uh, two years earlier, where he had 39 home runs and drove in 96 runs and had a 980 OPS. So he was a better player. He was a little bit older than Brandon, but not much of a difference. But he was certainly a more accomplished player, a world champion. So I don't think this is a perfect comparison in terms of money because I don't think Brandon should get this. But George Springer signed a six-year, $150 million deal. As good as Springer is, and I think there were very different players because Springer had more pop, didn't walk as much, but better player. He got six years, 150. I don't believe Brandon Nemo is going to get six years, 150. Another somewhat comparison is Starling Marte, who obviously signed with us, with the Mets, and at the time was a center fielder. Mets signed him. We thought he'd play center field, but then, oh, wait, Brandon Nemo's better. Marte's in right field, but he signed as a center fielder. He also signed a few years older than Brandon Nemo, but also a more accomplished player. Marte signed a four-year, $78 million deal. Right off the top, I'll tell you this. And I'm just guessing. We're all just guessing. We don't know what Brandon Nimmo is going to get. A lot of it has to do with how many teams are interested, what they're offering him. He's going to get more than Marte. He's going to get less than Springer. I would venture to say Springer got six, Marte got four. I think Nimmo's looking at a five-year deal. In fact, he may get the six years. He's just not going to get as much money. I give you a comparison I thought is really good. But you got to go back a bunch of years and also not think about the way it turned out because the contract did not work out. But there was a center fielder who got to free agency in his age 32 season. So Nimmo's about to turn 30. He'll turn 30 right before opening day. So two years older than Brandon. And also looking at his numbers, here's what I'd say about this guy. Brandon Nimmo production wise, probably a better player. Very different. And I think what hurt this guy is that uh, trying to look at these numbers fairly. Here's the, here are his numbers before I tell you the guy. 658 OPS, 250 average, 751 OPS, 300 average. So it shows you didn't get on base enough. 838 OPS, 307 average, 747 OPS, 287 average. And his free agent year was a 315 home run, 49 RBI year, 803 OPS. So somewhat similar. The guy's Lorenzo Kane. Lorenzo Kane left the Royals, signed with the Brewers, and ended up signing a five-year, $80 million contract. And the way that contract worked is in year one, it was great. He won a gold glove. He had a really good year. The Brewers were like, this is awesome. And then the contract went to hell and a handbasket. He wasn't productive in 2019, barely played in 2020, barely played in 2021, barely played and sucked in 2022. So <laughs> you never know. You never know how it's going to work out. But he signed a five-year, $80 million deal. 
The other one that I, I, I don't think is a comparison, but I'll, I'll give it to you anyway, is Byron Buxton uh, bought out years of free agency and the Twins took a gamble that he can stay healthy. And they gave him a seven-year, $100 million deal. So gave him a lot of years, gave him a decent amount of money. Based on these figures and the Hunter Pence deal, you brought up Hunter Pence. Now, this was a long time ago when Hunter Pence signed it. But Hunter Pence signed a, let me just confirm what it was before I uh, say it. I think it was like a four-year, $90 million deal. And by the way, I think that's what we're looking at. I think that's kind of in the range of his contract. Hunter Pence sent a five-year, $90 million deal. So a shade under $20 million a year. I think Nimmo gets a little bit more than that. I think he either gets five or six years. I think he gets right around $20 million a year. So yeah, I think there's a chance he gets $100 million. So not quite George Springer money, but I would say about five years, $100 million. Knowing that the Mets have some budget at some point, you comfortable giving him that contract five years, 100? Um, it's stipulations here. Am I comfortable with that amount for Nemo? Sure. Like I, I'm, I'm not opposed to that. That that's not a big number to me. I think I, I really think max will be six, one thirty. that that thing is as max as it will go, but that's in that range. If you tell me that, that that's a move the Mets make, and that hinders from other things going on with the Mets, then I'm going to say, no, I'll pass. But if you're just taking it as an isolated, is Brandon Nimmo worth that much? Would you like to see him return for that? And there's still everything is on the table? Then yes, Brandon Nimmo, six for 130, five for one, 105, 110, whatever. Uh, that's, that's fine. That's what he should make. And he'll make that much of an impact. And I think, again, and I, I said this before, I said this not to you, but I was thinking about when I was when I was diving into Brandon Nimmo. He's the type of guy, again, reminds me so much of Hunter Pence. I could see him have that like that stupid remember that at bat with Hunter Pence when he had that like hit the ball three times with his bat? Yeah, like yes. his bat broke and the, yeah. that's what Brandon Nimmo I could picture him in the World Series doing something st- like that ridiculous happened happening because of Brandon Nimmo, just that type of player he is. So if the Mets can keep him and that happens for us, then yes, I, w- I want him around. I, I do think also, when you look at the outfielders that are free agents, Aaron Judge is obviously in a class of his own. After him, Brandon Nimmo is the best free agent on the market. And for anyone who's not a big Brandon Nimmo fan, saying that can't be real, oh, it's real. Unless you think... Uh, Andrew Benintendi is better. Unless you think Mitch Hanniger is better. Unless you think Kevin Kiermaier is better. <laughs> like, I'm not joking. And so the reason I say that is that Brandon Nimmo, and I'm just predicting here, to me doesn't sign until Judge does. Because I think Aaron Judge is going to set the market for not just really everybody, but especially outfielders. And I think Brandon Nimmo becomes... And this is where the bidding can get intense. Now, if Brandon Nimmo has the attitude of, I want to be a Met, just give me a good number and I'll sign, which I think is naive. I don't think most players do that, especially once they're at free agency. They're going to wait. And and Brandon Nimmo's a Boris guy now. So I, I think we'd be naive as much as we all love Brandon. He loves New York. He runs the first base. Everybody loves him. He's going to get his. And I don't blame him for that, by the way. So if he's going to get his, we have to all wait on Aaron Judge. 
Because Aaron Judge going to the New York Yankees or the San Francisco Giants, and let's let's just be honest, that's what it that's what it is. I am not going to do an Aaron Judge podcast for the Mets because I just think it's a waste of time. Like we could mention it, we could talk about it, but I it's not happening. I think it's the Yankees or the Giants. And here's why that matters, by the way. Either one of those teams, the San Francisco Giants or the New York Yankees, will bid on Brandon Nimmo once Judge signs with the other team. Like, who are we kidding? And why wouldn't they, by the way? Now, I get that Nimmo isn't Judge from a marketing standpoint, from a star power standpoint. But again, he's the second best outfielder on the market. These teams are ultimately trying to win. So Brandon Nimmo's market is going to explode once Aaron Judge makes a decision on where he's going. So I have a question. You you, you keep on saying, and I, this we, we'll debate a different time. You keep on saying a Judge take him off of the Mets radar. That's not happening. Is that because you just don't think Steve Cohen is going to participate in that? Uh, um, okay. So a couple of things. First of all, Aaron judge could play center field. So when we talk about replacing Brandon Nemo, Aaron judge is a hell of a replacement. <laughs> I mean, he's better. Like who, who's kidding who? The reason I don't think it's serious is that I think the giants are going to go into a really deep place to try to get him. I think we're talking $350 million, $400 million, a huge number. I think the Yankees are going to feel desperate to keep him. And I don't think it's that Steve Cohen says that's too expensive. I think there's other things he's thinking about. Number one, retaining his guys. We're going to do a whole podcast about Edwin Diaz and how important he is. Edwin Diaz being one. I think they're going to make a bid for Jacob DeGrom. If they lose Jacob DeGrom, they're going to have to replace him. I believe they're going to go hard after Justin Verlander. He's going to be expensive. And the real reason that I don't think they're going to go hard after Aaron Judge, and maybe everybody's going to prefer that what I'm about to say may be true, is I think the apple of his eye isn't Aaron Judge. I think the apple of his eye is Shohei Otani. And Hmm. look, that's complicated because you have to trade for him. Uh, But he's a free agent at the end of next year. And I don't think the Mets are short-sighted. I think that they see Judge, Otani, and then Juan Soto, and I think that as great as Judge was this season, to them, Otani may be the big prize. As great as Judge is, I don't know if Steve Cohen's looking to just slap the Yankees in the face. I think he's looking at other things. So, look, Judge should be a part of this discussion only because he is a center fielder. He can play center field. There aren't a lot of guys that can Like, I'm going to go through all the potential replacements. There's not a lot. So the fact that Aaron Judge is available... Sure, but I don't think you're signing Judge because Nimmo left because Judge is going to sign first. So, sure, should the Mets make an offer? Why not? He's a great player. I don't think they're going to be in the pool of where the Giants and the Yankees are going to go. That's my answer. Okay, so that that so then that that's fine. That I understand that's that's realistic and that's okay. I hate thinking about two years from now because <laughs> I think that the Mets need to do a lot uh, to get back to where they were this year. And so that sucks to even think that, well, okay, well, we're going to sit back one. You can't take any any days off. That's the first thing. Second of all, um, there's one – I looked at like the five top free agents in my mind, Judge being one, DeGrom being two. We talk about Edwin Diaz. And then you get to the shortstop angle with the Carlos Correa's and a guy named Trey Turner, which you talked about. And I talked about earlier in the season going, how did the, the Mets find a way to bring Trey Turner – to New York. And you said it, center yes. field. Is he someone that's on your so list? So let's get to that. 
they don't they lose Nimmo for for whatever reason. Um, he doesn't want to be here, which I don't think is the case. Somebody blows him away. The Mets say, you know what? We love Brandon. We're not giving you six years, 130. Whatever it is. The Giants are really desperate after they lose Judge. The Yankees are really desperate after they lose Judge. Whatever the reason, Nemo's gone. Trey Turner is the intriguing option. And I brought this up a few weeks ago because, A, I think he's so athletic, he can do it. I think Trey Turner can convert to center field and be good. I'm not saying he's going to be great, but I think he's going to be good. Uh, He is an excellent offensive player. And offensively, he is a clear upgrade over Brandon Nemo. If Turner is interested in the project of moving to center field, he may not be. He may say, I'm a shortstop or I'm a third baseman or I'm a second baseman. Okay, now look, the Mets can make it work at third base and second base. But for the sake of this discussion, I would talk to him about center field. And I think he's got the prowess to pull it off because there aren't, here's the point. There aren't a lot of good center fielders in baseball. There aren't. And those that are really good ain't going anywhere. Julio Rodriguez, as much as we'd all love him, is not going anywhere. Mike Trout, I, I kind of sort of leave out here. He's not going anywhere either for now. There just aren't a lot of really good center fielders. So sometimes you got to get creative with it. And Turner will be more expensive than Nimmo. You know, we, we floated out Nimmo contracts. Turner's getting $300 million. I think he is. Because I think all you got to do is look at Corey Seager's contract and say, why shouldn't this guy get more? So I think Turner could be the upgrade. I wouldn't even look at Turner as a backup. I would look at it as, okay, I want a center fielder for the next four years. The Mets have prospects in their system, but Alex Ramirez, A, I don't know how much he projects as a center fielder. B, I think he's going to be used as a trade chip. C, I don't know when the Mets expect him to be up here and a contributing center fielder. The other guy I'm intrigued by internally in the system is Ronnie Mauricio because he's a shortstop right now. The Mets haven't moved him off shortstop. Do they envision him being able to convert to the outfield? I'm not saying he can't. I have no idea. I think it's more likely he converts towards third base than anything. But you got to remember, guys come up as shortstops. All of them do. And they end up moving somewhere else. A lot of guys. Edgardo Alfonso came up as a shortstop. Larry Wayne Chipper Jones came up as a shortstop. A lot of guys come up as shortstops. Doesn't mean they stick there. Yankees are going to have that decision with Peraz and Volpe. So Mauricio is one of those guys who's much closer. Could be in the major leagues by the end of next season. So he's not that far off. Is he someone the Mets look at as a guy that can play center field? He hasn't played there yet. He's only played shortstop. The Mets have not moved him off there. So internally in their system, they don't have a lot of right now, this would be a good fit option. So you're looking at not just this year, but the next three or four years, Trey Turner, if he's willing to do it, to me is such a good athlete. He can do it at a really high level. So Mauricio is interesting because you talk about all these prospects and Mauricio is one of the highest ones on the Mets, and you just see Lindor blocking him. So, so that's why we're starting to think about what else he could do. But all you heard about is Vientos. All you heard about was Beatty. All you heard about is Alvarez. And the one guy that kept on being untouchable was Mauricio. And I asked the question, why is he untouchable? If you're going to tell me that he may be a future center fielder for the Mets, that that's I'm locked in on that. Uh, if but if not, you have to trade. So him. I'm going to give you part of a trade piece. I'm going to give you another basketball comparison. And don't worry, it's not the Nets; it's the Knicks. This is me spitballing here. Maybe I'm right. Maybe I'm wrong. I'm giving you a theory. Billy Epler really protected his prospects at the trade deadline. He didn't want to trade 
a good prospect for David Robertson. You don't want to trade a good prospect for Wilson Contreras. And you start to say, well, why? And I think there's two reasons. Number one, he doesn't want to trade his prospects. The Mets want to keep their young players. And I agree with that. At this point, sure, I just signed free agents. I don't want to be trading young pieces away unless the New York Knicks had a chance to get Donovan Mitchell. And they had all the chips to do it. And they decided this isn't worth it. Now, are the New York Knicks going to keep all their first-round picks? Or are they waiting for someone else? Are they waiting for the right guy? Now, I don't know who that right guy is yet in the NBA, but I know who that right guy is in Major League Baseball. And I'll bring his name up again because I believe in two years he'll be a New York Met. And maybe he'll be a New York Met in three months. I don't know. And that's Shohei Otani. And I think that Billy Epler's thought, as much as he wanted to win last year, was... I have to keep my prospects because if I get that phone call that Otani's available, I want him. And look, he's also a free agent at the end of the year next year. He can go wherever he wants, and he may not want New York. He initially didn't want New York when he didn't sign with the Yankees, and we were all stunned by it, and signed with the Angels. So I believe the Ronnie Mauricios of the world are going to be used as dangling chips in a blockbuster. And that blockbuster was never going to be Juan Soto because Mike Rizzo wouldn't do it. I think the blockbuster is Shohei Otani. That's what I think. Now, that doesn't mean they're going to trade him. They may not. I don't know what Artie Moreno wants to do before he sells the team. But whether it's trading for him now, trading for him at the deadline, or just signing him outright as a free agent in a year, and you said it, you don't want to wait. Well, guess what? You may not have to wait. They're going to try to trade for him. Now, We'll do a whole podcast coming up on what we'd be willing to give up. That's not today's podcast. But I will say, when you ask, where's Mauricio going? That's where he could be going. But those are your internal prospect options. The internal option is obviously Starling Marte because they signed him as a center fielder. And so playing Marte in center field opens up right field, potentially for, let's say, Jeff McNeil, who can play the outfield. I really, I got to tell you right now, I don't want to go down that road. I love Marte in a corner outfield spot. I'm concerned as he gets older that, and granted, the injury he had at the end of the year was fluky. He got hit by a pitch. That was not a muscle injury. That wasn't a wear and tear injury. That was a douche on Pittsburgh not being able to control his pitches. But as Marte gets older, and they did sign him to a uh, four-year contract, let's keep that in mind. Got three more years of him. I want to keep him healthy. And I don't think shifting him to center field is the answer. So I don't like that option. 